Hello and welcome to Masters of Divinity. I am your moderator, JP, and I am here with, as always, Matt Wells. Yay! <laughs> How you doing, Matt? Wonderful. Good, I'm good. Doing great. Glad you're here. I think my you friend. should just introduce me again. <laughs> I'm also Give me a second introduction. I'm also here with Matt Wells. Yay! <laughs> and of course, uh, who could forget my episode. good friend, my good friend who's been with me all, uh, through all the trenches, my friends to the end, Matt Wells. <laughs> I, knew, I knew that one was coming. <laughs> I I'm, I'm just, I'm really, for that one. I'm really I'm broadcasting really these. Anticipated. Also, Father Chuck is here. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah i'm also here with right. the father I, uh, chuck hello father chuck oh come on come on don't don't give me the silence he's not here. talking to us anymore don't give <laughs> I, the whole thing is i was i was i was trying to keep quiet the whole time just kind of like i don't know mess with the listeners to think that maybe you guys had this shtick going <laughs> but yeah no i'm here we're all and, here, uh, all three of us. Yeah, the masters. You are listening all to three. the masters of divinity, all three, uh, uh, coming at you. And uh, I'm looking at you, San Francisco. We are especially coming at you there. Uh, if I if I knew the whole yeah, that's... San Francisco treat song, I would sing it, but I don't. I think it's just like a ding ding, the San Francisco treat. I don't know. Is it riceroni? Yeah, and and now we've lost all of our San Francisco <laughs> listeners. <laughs> Um, no, if you, so, yeah, so this is something JP's talking about here. We, we were looking at some of our stats recently. We learned that, um, the, that the fine, the fine folks of the city of San Francisco, it's our number one city listening to this podcast. Ooh. Um, and I think it would be really awesome if one of you all would let us know, like, just say hi. hi. Is there like, a, is there like a, a masters of divinity, like meetup group? That doesn't have a Facebook group. Yeah. I don't know. Is there like a? Do we have a or, listeners club we don't it, know about? Or is it my mom? Or is it my mom's VPN? Like, does she have a <laughs> VPN that routes all of her like internet stuff to San Francisco, and so it's just her <laughs> listening thirty-one times? It it could be that. It could be that. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> well, either way, uh, we, we appreciate San Francisco. We're, we're glad you're listening. Uh, uh, we all believe that West Coast is indeed the best coast. Uh, at least I I do. But, uh, yes. uh, yeah, I wouldn't say all of us. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think this week we're talking about something that um, even if you aren't uh, a Christian or you haven't been in any Christian circles, especially the evangelical world, you've probably heard of the. Uh, a sensation that we're about to talk about today. Are either of you familiar with the name Charles Sheldon? I am. Oh, well. No, it, I don't uh, think so, actually. Matt isn't. So for Matt's sake, I have some bullet points about Mr. Charles Sheldon. Uh, Father Chuck, if you don't Yay, mind. bullet points. Me going over these. He might be redundant to you since you know who I'm talking about. I mean, but. I mean, for the I mean, to be fair, I only know about him because of our conversations for this episode. So, okay. for the sake of the episode, I can be sure. like, uh, 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 I don't know who Charles Sheldon is. <laughs> Are you mocking me? Yes, in fact, I am. He's mocking you and alienating our audience. That's what we do best. 
Um, <laughs> Charles, just introduce me again. <laughs> Matt Wells, everybody. Matt Wells is here. Yay! Just forty-five minutes of introducing Matt. <laughs> All right, so let me go over these uh, bullet points about Charles Sheldon. But before I do that, uh, give it up for Matt Wells for being here. Matt Wells, welcome. Okay. Oh. All right. So, uh, my, my new friend Charles Sheldon, Charles Monroe Sheldon, who was born in February 26, 1857, in Topeka, Kansas. He was a minister in the Congregational Church and a leader of the social gospel movement. Uh, he was an advocate for the humane treatment of animals and was a vegetarian. He was among the very few ministers of the day to openly invite black folks to become full members of his church. Uh, he openly spoke out against the KKK, oftentimes to their faces as well as uh, to anti-Semites. He encouraged women in his congregation to become involved in politics and supported equal rights for women. Keep in mind, this is like in, in 18, around 18, um, 1890, I think, 1896. Uh, so uh, he was a very, uh, uh, I want to say, adventurous person uh, uh, and very lucky for not uh, having been murdered. Um, as a minister, Sheldon was considered a kind of showman. Uh, and as a way to keep his congregation engaged, uh, he devised a method of serializing his sermons, which means he would end each ser sermon on like a cliffhanger. And these sermons were often anecdotal about, like, uh, made-up characters he had on his own. And in these stories, he, they're sort of like morality tales. And he ended each sermon with a question. Do you know what that question was, Matt Wells? Matt Wells is here, by the way. Yay! <laughs> I could guess what it is based on this episode, but I don't know if I'm supposed to do that. Go, go for it. Go for it, Matt, since you're here. Since you're here. Was, was that question perhaps what would Jesus do? Yes. Yes, it was. Matt Wells, everybody. Matt, Matt Wells. Everybody. <laughs> Matt Wells. Yay. Matt Wells is here. <laughs> yes. Charles Sheldon coined the, 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 the question, what would Jesus do? And it was part of these series of sermons that were very popular at the time. They're so popular that uh, a congregational magazine, I, I, maybe the congregational magazine, I, I don't know if, I don't know, I don't know the name of the publication. Uh, they collected them uh, as stories and published them. And then they collected them to a book called, um, I believe the book was called in his, in his Steps, right? Yes, In His Steps. In His Steps, What Would Jesus Do? Fast forward to 1989 to a, uh, a Janie Tinklenberg was reading uh, Charles Sheldon's book and she really liked the phrase what would Jesus do and plus the overall message of the book and she was a, uh, a youth pastor and she thought that this phrase what would Jesus do would really resonate with them and sort of create uh, a way a, sort of a teachable thing for them and she tried to figure out you know, how can I uh, kind of brand this to be like a cool thing that my uh, my youth group will kind of latch onto? So she thought about pencils and T-shirts, but none of these things really were sticking. You know, she thought they would just like dispose them, throw them away, they get lost, whatever. 
Uh, but she had a friend who worked in the, I guess, in the bracelet company, Lesco. And she figured bracelets would be perfect. So that's how she came up with what would Jesus do on a bracelet. However, what would Jesus do was too long, so she shortened it to WWJD. And the rest of my friends is history. Um, now, so, there's a bunch of stuff that kind of goes along with this, though. Um, doesn't really Sister, end. sister. <laughs> sister, sister, what? The show Sister, Sister. Oh. Uh, and and you never she they wore they wore the bracelets every episode. Did they? I didn't know that. And Chuck is wearing uh, what would Jesus well, do a bracelet? Someone who wears one every episode is Father Chuck. Look at that. Look at that. Representing. Yeah. Nice. So guys, uh, the the WWJD sensation. Um, did you did you guys kind of pick up on it pretty fast when you were kids? When it sort of made its way into your circles. Did you grab it, grab yourself a bracelet? I don't I don't know if I would say that I picked up on it as much as it was sort of expected of me to participate in. Yeah. Um, it definitely it definitely felt like a trend that was like, you know, you you, you got to do it kind of thing. Like this was, you know, real Christian real Christian teenagers sport the WWJD bracelet. So I think there's a bit of a, a bit of that from from for me and my youth group. You know, and I mean, and, and, and it looked great, you know, like with I think I actually may have had a WWJD slap bracelet, uh-huh. um, which I kind of wish I still had because I bet I could sell that thing. <laughs> um, but, you know, they, they went really they, they went really they complimented the T-shirt that looked like the Pepsi logo, but actually said Jesus, um, you know, I've all that kind of kitschy. You've never seen like the Christian T-shirts that oh, look like? Yeah, I think I remember now. They they put them on different like logos, popular like, logos. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah that was definitely a thing. Yeah. Yeah, I had um, I had one that was like Reese's peanut butter cups, and I, I think it, and it said Jesus something. I don't remember. Instead of Reese's, it was like Jesus's something. I don't know. Anyway, um, I think it, oh no, it wasn't Reese's. It was um Reese's peanut butter. It was Reese's um pieces, and it was like Jesus brings peace or something like that instead of. Reese's Pieces because it was a play on right. things. Anyway, but yes, I had it. Um, I had I had my what would Jesus do bracelet. Obviously, I still have one. I wear it. Um, if I'm being honest, um, I started wearing it largely out of my out of my um, my sort of hipster kind of thing. It was like oh, you know, it was what I wore as a kid. And so I sort of was wearing it somewhat humorously, ironically, I guess, but kind of like after learning like, what I've learned like about church t-shirts at the, at the, at the, at the flea market. And... Oh yeah, dude. <laughs> oh yeah. But, but like, you know me. Um, yeah. but I, after learning about Charles Sheldon, I have like a, such a newfound appreciation for this thing. I know we'll talk about that in a oh, little yeah. bit. Um, so, so, but yeah, but to, but to, but to to answer the immediate question, yes, I, I did wear the, the WWJD stuff um, back in my punk rock skateboarding days in my youth group. Nice. What about you, Matt? Um, I mean, I, I had one. I wore it for a little while, but I don't feel like I even kept up with it long enough when it was a craze, when yeah. it was like the end thing to do. Um, I think it just annoyed me on my wrist, to be honest with you. Right. Um, it, 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 that, you know, it has that. It had that extra piece that hangs funny, or if you did it the other way and you like put it on, you know, remember the trick was to like do it inside out and put it on and then flip it so that that was on the inside. But then it kind of was scratchy. It's just, it just annoying. <laughs> yeah. I, so uh, what would Jesus do? Not wear a scratchy bracelet. 
there's a t-shirt there's a t-shirt that i really wish i owned yeah and it's a it's a picture of of jesus hang gliding and it says what wouldn't jesus do which i think is very funny (laughs) it's funny um I, and I, one of our fans will send that to you by the end of the week. I would love it. Sorry, I, I wear a large. I wear a large T-shirt. Um, guys, I never had a "What Would Jesus Do" bracelet. No lie, JP. That actually kind of shocks me, knowing your upbringing. Yeah, I never, I never had one. What? I never had a "What Would Jesus Do" anything. Was it rebel? I was think, it a rebellion thing? Well, they just never came my way, and I think even part of me was like, not interested. <laughs> Okay. Uh, you know me. You know, I just, I, I'm just, you know, nah. It's not, nah. it's not, not my style. I don't wear, I don't wear the t-shirts and the bracelets and the necklaces. You know, like that, that wasn't my thing when I was a teenager. I wasn't. That's a, true. I've never, I've realized that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, Matt knows when I wasn't in, like our uniform, I was wearing like all black, and not like goth all black, just like nondescript, like a black t-shirt and black jeans. What ringer. That was college. You were you were a ringer. That was you're a liar. That was, no, that was college. That was in the high school. Was all, high school was a long sleeve shirt that had like these stripes down the sleeves because I think you thought you looked like Xander from Buffy. Oh, that's true. Oh, I mean, dude. There, there was the on and off again occasion where I wore the Hawaiian shirt. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it was pretty nondescript. The long, but like, but Matt talking about those long sleeve shirts with the stripes. Oh man, that was that is a '90s staple right there. <laughs> Stripes down the sleeves, like kind of like, sort of like rainbowy, but like not necessarily like the full color of the rainbow, but like multiple shades of blue. Oh, yeah. oh dude, I know what you're talking about. Totally. So, guys, w- Sorry, we are we are way off topic. It's all right. <laughs> My question for you is: it's sort of a two-parter question. Yes. Um. Yeah. It. Sorry. 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 But but I love that you think it's way off topic to talk about pointless random fads on an episode about what would Jesus do bracelets. <laughs> <laughs> I think it is perfectly on topic to get lost on tangents about striped T-shirts and Hawaiian shirts and well, just I, lost. We can talk about right. this is fair. <laughs> I'm actually kind of surprised that it was that, that it came about so early. I thought it wasn't until like I became a teenager, but it's this, this these articles said 1989, 1990. I mean, I don't know if that's the thing you're getting at here, but like uh, reading about this stuff too, like it surprised me to think that like, yeah, 1989 is when the bracelet came around, which again, I thought it was more of like 94, 95 yeah. when it came around. But so 89 is when the bracelet first comes around and she's be, and she, and, and she is inspired by a book from the 1800s. Right. And um, Charles Sheldon, who wrote that book, was inspired partly by um, – Charles Charles Spurgeon, who we talked about in our oh, Jabez right. episode, yeah. mm-hmm. um, and then but and then and then it was also inspired by um, Thomas Akempis' uh, imitation of Christ, which is from the 1500s. Wow! So, like this whole idea of like sort of asking this question, WWJD, is like really deeply rooted. It's not really just a fad. Like, it's actually kind of a through line for a lot of Christian history. It's sort of like the ichthus, right? The Jesus fish? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, um, not a trend. Yeah. Um, but yeah. The, the question I wanted to no, ask. No, the, the, saying, yeah. the saying is not the trend, but the bracelet was 100% a trend. Right. Yeah, the acronym <laughs> is definitely the trend. The, yeah. The actual, the WWJD bracelet. No, the thought behind, the sentiment behind it, what it was around for, had a, had a lot of purpose and meaning to it but the bracelet just became a 
became a fad. To be honest with you, it fits very well into a conversation about things like purity rings yeah. and how they just became a fad for yeah. a very long time. Yeah. Um, and despite I was actually, what they meant or didn't mean. Yeah, I was actually going to bring up something kind of related to that in my, my, my questioning, you guys. I have, a, I have sort of a two-parter question. Yeah, before I ask you guys a two-part question, um, I just want to thank Matt Wells for being here. Thank you for showing up, Matt Wells. Um, so we're still... We're we're still doing this. Are we like turning Monty Python? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because every moment, every moment that's edited out of this is you being mean to me. So we're just gonna keep saying how amazing I am because I'm here right now. How how am I mean? How am I mean to you? Because you're just you're just mad that I'm not in the room with you. Right, we'll edit you out. Don't worry about it. All that matters is Matt Wells is here. Matt Wells, everybody, he's here. Okay. Okay. So my two part question for you guys. If I do it, if I do it, will we stop? Yay, Matt Wells is here. My life oh, is now, complete. Now you just ruined it. Now, yeah, that's now a little, it's, now it's, I, I mean, that felt a little patronizing, weird. to be honest, Chuck. Like, yeah. Yeah. Are you okay, Matt? Are you, okay? you going to be all right? I'm not going to lie. It's rough, but I think I'll push on. Okay. All right. I'll we'll just, get through it. We'll just pretend that didn't happen. If you're right? still, we'll just get past this, condes- this condescending attitude that that's just not does not reflect our podcast at all. <laughs> my gosh all right um so i have a two-parter question for you guys um first question part one um what did the uh, uh the, the the question what would jesus do mean to you like when you first heard it or when you know it was sort of like around you like what did it mean to you the very first time you heard the question, what would Jesus do? The, the thought I had is, what, what are you supposed to do? Was basically what I thought of the question as. Um, but honestly, then it just, I'm just being totally honest, not making a joke here. It very quickly just became a bracelet. Like, whenever <laughs> I heard it, I think about that WWJD bracelet. Like, uh, because I, I don't feel like I heard that question. Not that the question's like, it did, I've never heard it before. But in the context of like an everyday usage, hey, what would Jesus do? I didn't hear it until the bracelet was already a thing. Right. So like it very quickly just became tied to. I mean, we went to a small Christian branding. school. It was one hundred percent a fad. Yeah. Like, and that's what it was tied to by the time we heard about it. Well, yeah, and um, and like one of the one of the little tidbits of the story of the development of it is how um, Janie, the youth pastor, um, tried to get it get the the question or the acronym trademarked because she saw a four hundred dollar necklace with wwjd on it and right. she felt that that was really impoverishing the whole concept and so she was trying to trademark it to keep it from being sold out i don't know if you were going to talk about that later JP. well i mean it, it, it's fine I mean, on that. it's interesting to bring it up. i mean it, you kind of have to you know when she did that that was a good like five years after she kind of came up with the idea for the bracelet and she's kept selling out, constantly selling out because it did so well. Um, but she didn't really have much. She wasn't very worried about making money. She she wasn't in it for right. you know. She wasn't trying to like get a brand going. You know, she just wanted something cool for her her kids. Um, and, and it's sort of in the same spirit as as, as Charles Sheldon because he didn't because his book entered the public domain pretty quickly. And he didn't really ask for any any money in return. Uh, people sent him money though, like sort of as like a, a gift. Um, but he didn't really care. He just all, all he cared about was that the message was out there. And she 
took the same approach. However, she did try to uh, register for a trademark, like you said, Chuck, because she did see, uh, because she didn't own it, uh, the company Lesco that helped her make the braces started making their own braces without her and making money off of it. And like every other company was like picking this WWJD brand up and doing tons of billions of things with it and making lots of money off of it. And she thought it was just kind of getting out of control. So that's why she wanted to get a trademark just to kind of put an end to that, uh, which I think is really kind of right. And and that's, Right. And that's what the point I'm trying to make. And the, and the reason I brought it up is because I think it piggybacks off of exactly what Matt was saying is that it just became a trend. Right. Um, like and like like to answer the question, this first part for myself, um, I think when I think of it, I, I don't think so much about what the question itself meant, but what because it's brilliant that it's a slogan. Mm-hmm. Right. And slogans themselves, you know, it's branding. So it doesn't necessarily mean the, like the literal meaning of what it is, but rather what the thing represents. And what, WW, what WWJD represented to me, I think, when I was a kid, I wouldn't have given it this language at the time, but looking back on it was almost like a, a guilt thing. Yeah. Um, because like, I, like for me, it was like, it was all about morality. Um, and so it was, you know, we were told, you know, being a teenage boy, in youth group, you're being told like, you know, if you're trying to figure out like how far is too far with a girl, you know, well ask yourself, what would Jesus do? Right. You know, so the idea was like wearing you're gonna the see bracelet. You're going to see that rated R movie so this weekend? Like, what would Jesus do? Right, right. Yeah. So like you look at your thing on your wrist and it's supposed to like sort of guilt you into doing something that you're not supposed to, you know, to keep you from doing your, something you're not supposed to do. And so that's sort of what I, you know, how I understood it as a teenager um, and like I said, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have, at the time, I wouldn't have seen it as guilt. I would have seen it as like a really helpful reminder about, you know, you know, what I am. And then it was also kind of a sign to introduce, you know, evangelism. So people would say it like, what's that mean? And it's like, what would Jesus do? You know, let me tell you about Jesus kind of thing, which also happened never, by the way, <laughs> you know, cause like there was a similar thing that my youth pastor did where he encouraged all of us to put, he gave us these little red dots and they looked like little, like droplets of blood, like if you were to like drop blood onto like a like a piece of paper or something, but it was clear. So it looked like blood and he had us um, stick it. He said, you know, to stick it on your eyeglasses, if you wore glasses or put it on your watch if you wore a watch um, so that every time you looked at it, there was a reminder of, you know, the blood that Jesus shed for you. And it was the same kind of thing where it was like, That's so weird, <laughs> you know, to remind you of, yeah, but it's kind of a guilt thing, yeah. you know, it's supposed to guilt you into doing the, you know, the, the moral thing. That's what it, uh, what it represented for me, and uh, which, to be honest, uh, in my later teen years and into my early adulthood, I was very cynical about the whole WWJD thing um, because that's what I understood it to be. I understood it to be about this narrow morality that might not even really truly apply because there are any number of circumstances that Jesus never had to deal with. Right. You know, Jesus didn't have the Internet. Jesus didn't have cars. Um, Jesus never, as far as we can tell, had a girlfriend or anything like that. So we don't know what would Jesus do in those situations because, you know, he, he lived his life a little bit differently than most people are. Um, so it's, you know, so there, that was, there was a little bit of a cynicism that came about when, when it was used as a, as a sort of a guilt motivator in moral behavior. Right. Um, so, yeah. Well. So that's, that's. Yeah. 
And, and I, I, I kind of feel the same way. You know, Matt, you were you were talking earlier, Matt, about you had mentioned purity rings. That's sort of how I how I viewed the bracelet back then, which is like just is something that's supposed to be this constant reminder of like to keep me behaving, to like control my behavior. That's that's how I viewed it when I was a kid. And this probably also might be part of the reason why I never wore it. My my second part of that question is, uh, you know, I've I've told you where this this phrase initially comes from. Uh, this this man Charles Sheldon, who was um, actively involved in being a a shaker and mover in his community and helping out his fellow man. Um, to me, I feel like I wanted to ask you guys how you felt about it now, knowing where it comes from, uh, because I know as I did kind of research on this and was reading about Charles Sheldon, I feel like it takes on a kind of a new meaning. Not something so much that's used to that's so supposed to use to like modify someone's behavior, but to really actually ask, like in 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 real situations, not like you know, should I do this or shouldn't do this? You know, am I gonna be a bad person? If I don't want to do this, but like in a situation of someone like being bullied, or uh, you know, giving to the poor, or or helping somebody, you know, what would Jesus do? Yeah, I think that you're touching on something that. Uh the gospel in general, um, right. all these messages from the gospel, they start off with a, a justice aspect that gets lost somewhere yeah. and becomes a behavioral modification program instead. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, the Jesus in the Bible is a, is a figure who is, who is working toward change and impacting the lives of those who, are stepped on by others, looked down upon, mocked, beaten. Um, he steps in and says, I'm one of you, and shows us how we're supposed to live by interacting with people like that. Right. And then we turn it into a, well, as long as you do A, B, and C, then you're doing what Jesus would do. Yeah. Instead of really diving into life and interaction and relationship and the messiness that comes with all that and how Jesus, he, he was in the midst of that, not, not outside of it, looking in, making decisions on, okay, do this and don't do this. He was in the midst of it saying, I'm going through this with you. Here's, here's how you do it. Here's, here's how it should look. Here's how we should act. Right. Yeah. Um, it's very it's, different. Yeah. It's, it's sort of like, like the way that I heard it growing up and I, I suspect you were, it was similar for you, Matt, that it was like, scenario you're stand you're, you're near a bar and like the thing would, the pastor would say like what would jesus do would jesus go in the bar and with the understanding of like you know no jesus wouldn't go in the bar but then you read the gospels and it's like no actually jesus would go in the bar because that's the kind of people that jesus was ministering with um and ministering to um and so yeah, so JP, for me yeah it's definitely changed um like i said i started wearing this thing as kind of a ironic statement, you know, just sort of a nostalgia sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and, but now that I know about Charles Sheldon and I really want to read in his steps, the book I never read, one of my colleagues today even told me, when I told him what we, what we were talking about on the podcast, he said, you need to read that. It's a very good book. Yeah. Um, it's like, this is actually symbolic of something pretty radical. And in fact, the exact opposite of what people like Zondervan turned it into. Right. Researching this thing, I've come to the conclusion that Zondervan is evil. <laughs> like, they're an evil yeah. corporation. 
Oh yeah, dude. It's funny you mentioned that because I was talking to talking to my colleague uh, David today, uh, one of the other chaplains here at the school, and um, told him what we were doing, and and I told him, you know, we learned about Zondervan trying to trademark the thing after um, after Janie couldn't do it, right. and um, and he, I was like, yeah, dude, I'm learning that Zondervan is really shady, and he's like, yeah, dude, he's a, he's exactly he says he says that company's evil, man. He's like, I mean, they're just they're in it for the money, you know. Um, yeah, totally. But if they would like to publish my book, um, <laughs> you can reach me through the podcast here. I mean, we could get into all the, like, I mean, even sort of kind of borderline conspiracy stuff over the fact that like the NIV is such a highly, you know, embraced translation of the Bible in the evangelical world because oh, Zondervan was really good at marketing it because they own, they own the translation like that. It's, it's a copyrighted thing, but, um, you want to talk about the NIV? No, the... <laughs> No, I won't get into the NIV. That's a whole other episode. The, the um, we should, a Bible translation episode might be kind of fun, actually. I feel like Zondervan should um, be like our might be only fun villain. for us. <laughs> you know, I mean, they they do publish a lot of Calvinists, right? So I think they're aren't they aren't they a publisher for John Piper? Aren't they? Yeah, they're they're like um, our, our Cyberdyne, like our Cyberdyne systems, like her <laughs> Wayland Yutani Corporation, yeah, our Skynet. I'm, but no, the uh, but the what would I mean? This whole the, the whole question of it being more about not so much. I mean, maybe it would be better if like instead of it saying what would Jesus do, if it was like how would Jesus live, um, or how did Jesus live? You know, maybe maybe we could. There's something we could sell, make some money for this podcast. Um, H D J L. It doesn't it doesn't roll. I know it's just not the it same. Doesn't, it doesn't roll. Um, but the um. But like you know, yeah, what, this... you know what it does though? F M L T F M L T. Doesn't that flow? Isn't there a nice flow to that? F M L T. Fix me love them. Written by Battles. Oh. Available on Amazon. Um, oh my gosh. Bracelets. <laughs> bracelets will be available next week. Oh Lord. Dude, FM, we should turn F M L T. We should we should just turn your book into like the next J Bez. We should like have <laughs> like Fix Me Love Them for, for children. Um, <laughs> we will get that rodeo started yet, guys. <laughs> fix me, love, fix me, love them for women. It's the same. It's the same thing, just like a pink cover. <laughs> you just change the color. You just make it pink because that's what guys think women with a forward, want is everything pink. With so. a forward <laughs> by Heather Wells. <laughs> and the and fix me love them like men's edition comes like a pocket knife. Um, <laughs> Sorry, yep, it's like F- oh, FMLT bracelets coming soon. FMLT, um, yeah. but but no, but like, but like now for me, like I look at, it, I think the question is, like you said, JB, it's a bigger question. It's not about me as an individual mm-hmm. necessarily, and like my own individual actions and how these individual actions impact me individually, but rather about like how my actions impact the world around me. It's just sort of bringing to like how how Jesus interacted with the world, like that's what it should like be creating yeah, an image of. Right, because Jesus' whole, like, everything he talks about in his sermons and everything is about how we relate to each other. Right. And so the question of what would Jesus do is less one about, like, how to be a moral, upright, stand, you know, kind of person, and more about how do I have a proper relationship mm-hmm. with the people around me. Um, and, like, and, like, and there's another piece, too, I think, that, some of the church world we grew up in had turned what would WWJD into this sort of prosperity gospel idea that if you do this certain thing, then God will reward you. 
mm-hmm. by making you healthy and rich. Because, you know, if you do the thing that Jesus does, then that's going to make you healthy and rich, which, of course, is good to retread a little bit what we talked about when, with the Jabez episode. Um, doing what Jesus did leads to the cross. You know, so that's the other piece of what would Jesus do? Well, Jesus died for people. He gave up his life for people. Um, and so there's a sacrificial element to the question. And so, yeah, so, I mean, long, long version to the, to the long answer here, which is, you know, not uncommon for me, um, is that I'm, I'm, I'm now a fan of WWJD, you know, and plus, you know, the, the early nineties are back in style, man. Like it's a, <laughs> it's prime. It's prime for that nostalgia to hit that, the scratch that nostalgia itch, you know? Yeah. Hey, let's bring back dare while we're at yeah. it. You can do that, right, Matt? Yeah, yeah I'll bring back there. <laughs> you know that that ended up like creating creating more drug addicts. I'm gonna I'm gonna make the WWJD movie. There's already a WWJD movie. There's a church, WWJD Church. Really? What denomination is that? Yeah, yeah. they show up when you Google. It's uh, it's evangelical non-denominational. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean that's and that's that's the thing. Like it, it just it got out of control. Like it, it there were board games. Which it, right. I think it was like a like a flashcard right. game, like sort of like a trivia pursuit, like they give you like a situation and you ask the person like, "What would Jesus do?" Uh, is this a game or <laughs> are you asking me personally? I don't, I don't know how to win this. Yeah, because yeah, yes, it turns out the Christian life is just a game. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I think you're right. It was I, it was either a flashcard game or it was like dice that had answers and you rolled it yeah. and like i don't know but we should track that down yeah but it, and you know that's that's really interesting chuck because it's um in one of these articles that i read oh by the way did you know that matt wells is here yay in this article <laughs> someone said that um uh in, in the height of this wwjd uh 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 out of control corporate pandemonium uh someone said that christians are very quick to point out pornography and drunkenness and a lot of other sins but they're very slow to recognize that there is another sin in their midst that they're ignoring and that's the sin of consumerism Ooh, yeah so that's a drop the mic statement it really yeah so it's like this this thing this wwjd thing is, is is actually great as it turns out um, but it's also kind of shows like church is not, is not above exploiting things for, for money designed to provoke thought and conversation among followers of Christian faith. WWJD poses some tough questions, starting with situation cards, players encounter real <laughs> problems game. in four categories, the world, the community, the family and friends. Situations include alcoholism, domestic abuse, cheating, and racism, among other things. Lesser dilemmas, such as hurt feelings over forgotten birthday, are also addressed. Situation cards provide the player a choice among three answers, as well as the opportunity to come up with a different answer entirely. A fifth card category, Reflection, asks open-ended questions. A reflection card might address cloning, abortion, or taxes. The players come up with their own answers to these cards using their faith as a guide and, if needed, the included spiritual guide. The answers are then discussed by all players with the goal of deepening their understanding of Jesus and what he would do in the same circumstances. Uh, fun for the whole family. 
Yeah, it, it, I, I think at this point it's probably important to mention that the board game was actually the straw that broke the camel's back on getting her to try to <laughs> trademark the thing. Like she was really upset about the four hundred dollar necklace, but it was the board game that really that uh, really got her going. From what um, I've read, because to her, wow, that's a picture of the board game. That is like that is like er nineties. <laughs> mm-hmm. Available on Amazon for by third party only. Yeah. Uh, starting at six ninety five, guys. Go ahead. <laughs> oh God, no. Um, so do you do you guys think? Wow. That, <laughs> so do you guys think that this sort of um, kind of the distorting of the message WWGD is is sort of the result of the mass consumerism? I think that it's a I think that it's a very good glimpse into what we tend to do with all all of our uh, religious discussion and thought. Is like the prayer of Jabez. To, yeah, we tend to turn it into this like uh, easy to stick in a pamphlet and hand somebody on the street way of telling them here's how you do it, and we think that we have the answers, and you know, it's as simple as you know What's four a- letters, WWJD. It's a meme. Uh, it's a yeah. meme. Um, but know, I think it, that's what we made faith. Yeah, I mean, no, totally, because you know the the whole thing about <laughs> I mean that's like. I just think about like all the evangelism, you know, methods that I was taught, and it was all about, you know, salvation is easy. You can get saved. It's so easy. It doesn't cost you anything. Uh, and it'll change your life and all this stuff. And it's like, yeah, there's like, you're not going to, you don't have to pay money to the church to get saved and all that. Like, yeah, that, you know, that's true. But like, we can't pretend that there's not some kind of like, I don't like to use the word cost, but it's there well, it's... because like, you know, the first Christians were like getting murdered by people right after yeah, converting, you know? So like to act like that, that somehow like, we can just reduce it down to this simple thing. And now your life's going to be happy. And a lot of your problems are going to be solved. It's sort of like, I don't, I just don't know that like the people who are willing to like go to the stake and be burned alive while singing hymns, like would be able to be like, Oh yeah, this is easy. Yeah. Like, I mean, I mean, at the at the sake of sounding cheesy, it's it's this it's this paradox kind of idea that we live in that that yes, salvation is free through grace because of what Christ did, but at the same time, it should cost us everything. Um, it, it's it should affect and change everything and should shape every everything that we're doing. But we love to take it and try and turn it into this like this easy to digest message, which I, I always find it interesting how the church is so, or some churches, I should say, are so hung up on this concept that like, if you're doing things right, the world is not going to like you. If you're living faith the way you're supposed to, the world is going to hate you. But then they desperately want to turn their message into something that is easy for the world to to embrace and catch on to, if that makes any sense. Like they try and make it easier for, it's like the the world is going to hate us, but here's your tract and an easy way to go out and tell them how simple faith is and how to get saved. Right. It's like, it's like I worked at a Christian bookstore and we sold this like new Testament Bible, but it was dressed up to look like, like a girl's fashion magazine, like a Cosmo 
or something. Like it was the format of like and about the thickness of like, you know, because like Cosmo and Vanity Fair and those kind of magazines are actually pretty thick magazines. Um, so it was like it was like a thick, big fashion magazine. And like and it had like all these like blurbs on the cover. And it like the idea behind it was so that, you know, someone could read the Bible on the, like, the subway or the bus and not feel embarrassed while doing so. And like. I, part of me sort of thinks like, I, for, like when I saw it, I first thought of you know when when Paul talks in the New Testament about um, not being ashamed of the gospel. Um, there's sort of that kind of thing that popped in my head. Like, are you ashamed of this thing? Is that why you're doing it um, this way? But then there's also that fact that you're talking about, Matt, where it's like, oh, you see, look, like you nobody has to know. You see, like you can be nobody has to know. They're gonna you know, but if they find out what you believe in, they're gonna hate you. But nobody has to know about it. And you know, contrast that with these people who would, you know, sing hymns in their underground churches in spite of the fact that they knew that their neighbors could call the authorities on them and pull them out in the middle of the night and have them tied to stakes or impaled. And like that didn't stop what they were doing, you know, like it, it's just such a weird We've turned the, we've turned this 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 really profound religion into this very weird, benign, easy to digest thing, and like it's just I, I just don't have any more words for it. It's just it's a frustrating thing to watch because it sh- it, it, it shouldn't like cost you salvation. Like the idea of salvation shouldn't be like you can buy your way to heaven kind of stuff. Like like some cults believe, right? But we also we also can't be ignorant of the fact that it it's demanding mm-hmm. um, and and there's this this other side of kind of what you're talking about with the whole you know they created this magazine looking bible so that people didn't know what they're reading they could feel comfortable on the, the subway then there's this other side of it where it's like you have to carry your giant family bible with you <laughs> yeah. on the subway so that everybody can see you reading it and that they can openly mock you for carrying around the Bible because that's true Christianity is people are offended and you will hurt their feelings and they will hate you. And it's like, or you could just look really dumb carrying around this gigantic book on the subway. Like, yeah, or like or, it, it, we, we lose the, the reason people hate you if you're living like Christ is because you are bumping up against everything that the sin nature loves. You are standing up to greed and the American dream and saying, no, it's not about having more. It's about caring for people and making sure that people's needs are met and that everybody has enough. Um, you're standing up and saying, no, it's not about revenge. It's about forgiveness, regardless of what they did to us or what we think should happen to them. It's about letting them go of that. That ticks people off if you're actually living that way. Um, but we turn it into you and w, the WWJD bracelet thing, um, I think, started. It sounds more like it started. She started it to be an encouragement. The lady who created it, it sounds like she legitimately started it to be kind of an encouragement and look and cool for the the kids to kind of catch on and remember it. Yeah. But a lot of those things are in that Bible concept. Wear the bracelet so that everybody can go, oh, he's one of them. Um, instead of how about living a life where people don't have to question who you follow. Right. They don't need a bracelet to know you're one of them because you're standing up for justice and what Christ wants us to stand up for and living the way he intended for us to live. 
and people don't have to see a t-shirt or a bracelet to know that like um kind of you know the apostle paul approach live it and tell people if you do what i'm doing then you're doing what's right because he's striving so hard to live like christ that that he can actually say that um it's a lot different than than either one hiding it or wearing the t-shirt so matt was talking about that, that following after Jesus results in um, results in this this just by virtue of it, it calls into question all this stuff like right. the American dream, bigotry, you know, all of that. Who, who was talking about that? You were talking about that, Matt. So thank you, everyone. Matt's Matt, Matt Wells here. Matt, Matt, here. Matt, Matt is here. Right. So so you saying that made me think of this Bible passage, Matt. Um, I mean, some people will say it's not the Bible because I'm going to read from the Apocrypha. <gasps> Um, San Francisco doesn't like that. But I know. <laughs> hey, man, look, people give the Episcopalians a bunch of grief, but you know what? We like the Bible so much, we have extra books. <laughs> um, all right. So there's this passage here in, in what's called the Wisdom of Solomon um, that a lot of people see as sort of as, as a prophecy about Jesus. And there are these wicked people, and it says they're going to they're gonna lie in wait for the righteous man. It says, let us lie in wait for the righteous man because he is inconvenient to us and opposes our actions. He reproaches us for our sins against the law and accuses us of sins against our training. Um, his, he became to us a reproof of our thoughts. The very sight of him is a burden to us because his manner of life is unlike that of others and his ways are strange we are considered by him as something base, and he avoids our ways as unclean. Um, but yeah, so there's this whole thing here about how they're going to like capture and torture and murder this guy, um, this righteous one, um, because he exposes um, he exposes what's what's wicked and wrong in the world just by virtue of his existence. And I feel like that is, you know, kind of what the question of what would Jesus do is sort of about, and then that, and that reaction to what, like what Matt said, that reaction to it is, um, is, you know, if it's going to, if you're going to, people are going to be offended, it's because of its association of who Jesus is, not because, you know, you're in someone's face, you're waving a Bible in their face, or you're lugging around a big giant Bible and trying to show off how holy you are in a subway car full of people or whatever. Right. You know, for me, like, as I'm even talking about thinking about it, I'm thinking in, in, in sort of environmental terms. I, 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 yeah. I see asking yourself, what would Jesus do in terms of the environment would mean non being non-exploitative, mm-hmm. you know, trying to find ways uh, of, you know, obviously we have to, we have to have energy of some form to, to, to operate in the world that we have, but we've been blessed and gifted with this amazing intellect and this innovative ability to come up with forms of, to come up with forms of energy that don't require us to dig into the earth and ruin things that now we can have, I mean, we can use the wind and the sun. Those things never run out. Um, and, I mean, I should. I guess one day the sun, you know, a couple billion years will run out. But it's, it's, you know. So to me, like that, that, that like asking those questions is like pursuing those sorts of things and using the gifts that God has given us to better ourselves through these more sustainable and in 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 broad thinking means. 
but for the people who profit off of, you know, who make the short-term profit off of, off of oil refining or re- refining, um, you know, that's, that's going to be a problem. That's going to be offensive because that, that challenges their assumptions and their status quo. And because they think that's what Jesus would do. And so rather than, well, that too. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, that's the flip side of it is you have people out there who think that Jesus would oh, totally drill you know, oil. We won't. Yeah. Or he's okay with it because we've been given enough until he comes back yeah. and that once we've depleted it, he'll come back. So maybe we should use it up more so that he'll come back sooner. Um, I mean, that, that is no joke. The mentality of people who worked for Ronald Reagan, yeah. they actually thought that oh, they yeah. developed energy policies yeah, yeah. out of that I, way of thinking. I mean, I, uh, you know, I, 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 we're all familiar with what I used to dabble in, uh, the C word, uh, Cal- Calvinism. <laughs> I, I, when I lived in LA, I, I attended John MacArthur's church. I don't know if you're familiar with John MacArthur pretty sure you are oh i know who johnny mac is yeah <laughs> uh and the, the john MacArthur study the, the john MacArthur study bible was very popular among my peers oh really the guy yeah the guy's intense man uh yeah i went to his okay. church and you know one thing he said at one of one sunday morning i went to um he said that um he said just just do whatever you want he's like use up the resources eat all the food you know, burn down all the forests. He's like, God is in control of the world, so you don't have to worry about it. Just, you know, tear it all down if you want to. Burn it all down if you want. I remember thinking that's even back insane. then, I was even back then I was like, that's a little irresponsible. <laughs> well, right. And, and, and because, also I want also want to point out a... a little bit of a tangent. Uh one of the reasons why I stopped going to John MacArthur's church is because they showed a video where they were very, very concerned that indigenous white Europeans were going extinct. That was the last time I went to that, that church. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. <clears throat> has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but I'm just saying that's, uh, if you, if, if you, no, it, Crow, it you kind know. of does because I, <laughs> you think so? I think a big part of the, the inverse of it is, um, what wouldn't Jesus do? Yeah. Um, <laughs> What would Jesus not do? Um, pretty sure Jesus would not concern us with the extinction of, you know, with. First of all, it's not true. They're not going extinct. Second of all, that's a weird thing to worry right, about. That's what I'm man. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, weird. Yeah. I mean, just getting back to the environment thing with John MacArthur, like. Like, there's such an overwhelming message in the Bible about being, being, you know, frugal and, um, and like, what's the term I'm thinking of here? Of being, um, I don't know. Just, I will say frugal. Just being frugal and considerate with the stuff, yeah, of the earth, yep. and not yeah, like a... only like only living with enough. Like that's a that's a pretty to me, basic biblical principle that you should use what you, you, you have enough. It's just about enough, not about more. Right. For, for a beginner's view into this, there's a great article out there called environmentally conscious Christianity, um, written by Matt Wells. Who's here. Matt Wells Wells is here. (laughs) Um, but no, I got to find that article and have, have you guys posted onto our page? Yeah. But it talks about that same thing about how, uh, M-W-I-H. Father, Father Chuck read it when it was originally part of my master's 
thesis. That's right. And I was coining the term Bararite. Do you remember that? That it is our it's our Bararite oh, to take yes, care yes, of the yes. planet because it yes. goes beyond birthright. It was a our right to care for the planet and order. It was instilled before we were actually created. So That's right. See, so guys, this is why we're popular in San Francisco, yeah. in Kentucky, <laughs> I guess. We've had we've had Israelis, we've had Australians, we've had we had some people from Guam. Yep. Listen to our podcast. We have an international audience. That is, can we just take a note? One thing we've not acknowledged. I just, I feel like we have to. You know, we have not acknowledged fully and properly that this podcast is now over a year old. I know. Last episode was our fiftieth episode. We didn't say a thing about it. <laughs> and this podcast is over a year old. And in that year, we've managed to have an international audience. They may have only listened to one or two episodes, but <laughs> we'll take it, it. I'll take it. We'll take it. We'll take it. We're, we'll, and we'll frame 51 it. episodes later, Matt Wells is here. Matt Wells is here. Matt Wells is here. He's in the house. We're so glad he is. Oh, my gosh. Well, guys, um, uh, I believe that is all the time we have for this week. Uh, do you guys have any final thoughts for this week? For this, uh, uh, I mean, I, I kind of wish we, we could have talked more about uh, Charles Sheldon. I really liked researching him. Um, I was not familiar with the, uh, the social maybe, gospel. Maybe, maybe we, sh- maybe we should do an episode either on maybe like the three of us should read in his steps since yeah. it probably is free somewhere on the internet. I'm sure, yeah. And we could do an episode on that and even maybe the social gospel because it's a fascinating topic. I think that'd be fun. What do you guys think? What do you What do you think, Matt? Are you here? Matt Wells is here. He's here. He wants to do it. All right. <laughs> um, speaking of, I somewhat related to social gospel type stuff is um, Tony Campolo. I don't know if we know who Tony Campolo is, um, but there's a new book of that's out that he did with his son, and his son is a secular humanist, and Tony Campolo is a is a pretty progressive, left leaning evangelical social gospel guy. And they wrote this book together about they, they each kind of do a, a chapter, they alternate chapters, and it's, it's I think it's entitled "Why I Left and Why I Stayed," hmm. and it's about their individual journeys of faith and and stuff. And I've heard it's very very good, and that might be also part of our conversation to have because Tony Campolo is really big on this stuff. But anyway, just a little plug. Great. All right, Matt. Any final thoughts? Moments is in. No. No. Okay. Well, I gave it I gave it earlier in this episode and Father Chuck's final thought was entirely mine. So there you go. <laughs> OK. Um, well, <laughs> Father Chuck, thank you so much for joining us this week. You're welcome. I'm so glad you guys had me. I you know, it's such a rare thing that I'm here. Blah, 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 but blah, honestly, but, but but honestly I'm so talker. I'm so glad the, star of the episode. Well, here's what I was going to say. Hold on. What I was going to say is I am really honored that I got to share airspace with the Matt Wells. Matt, Matt Wells. I'm so glad you were here too. So and that you let Matt Wells here in your presence. Oh, oh my gosh. I can't believe I almost forgot. Yes, yes. Matt, thank you so much for being here. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> so I, I, it I was my pleasure to be here. It was my pleasure to be here with JP. Oh my gosh. I can't. Oh, that's, uh, you, you're too kind, Matt. You really are. Wait. Oh, oh yeah. And, and, Father, and Father Chuck. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's, he's okay. Um, we have fun here. <laughs> 
we we tell jokes we tell jokes um so join us next week as we talk about whatever matt wells wants to talk about because he's all that matters join us next week uh when we ask ourselves what would jabez do (laughs) build a swazi child rodeo in the middle of the desert uh again uh thank you for 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 pressing play on your podcast machine and listening to us and thanks again father chuck and matt wells see you next week and and thank you san francisco thank you san francisco and have a wonderful week and good journey good journey good night san francisco